And members of the House of Commons paying tribute to Queen Elizabeth, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Canada came of age under the Queen, whose signing of the Constitution Act in 1982 ushered in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Queen Elizabeth served her duties and her peoples up until the end, there for all of us until her final moments. We shall all miss her immensely. But I know, we all know, that our new sovereign, His Majesty King Charles III, will uphold these very values that we speak to today and continue her legacy. Trudeau ended his speech by telling the House, God save the King. Well, how about in England? How will the death of the Queen impact the British government and how it will move forward? And joining me now is Chris Clarkson. He's the Conservative MP for Haywood and Middleton, and uh, he has a connection to Canada as well. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Hi, Dan. It's great to be here. Tell me a bit about your Canadian roots, um, because they're interesting, obviously. Well, yeah. Um, so my well, my granddad uh, was Canadian. My dad is Canadian. Uh, so he grew up above my granddad's shop, um, basically across from where the Young Shepherd Metro Station is now in Toronto. Uh, the family's originally from London, Ontario. Um, we, we know we've been around for a while. So, uh, yeah, uh, and they sent me back. So <laughs> that's where we are. From one London, uh, from London, Ontario to London, England. Um, I know this has been, there was so much going on last week politically. Um, and obviously we all saw images of the Queen meeting with, with Boris Johnson, and then with the new Prime Minister, Liz Truss. Um, it must have come as a, as, a, as a shock to everyone when the news of her death was announced. It, it did. It was very, very strange. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that's always, you know, sort of in the back of your mind. But, I mean, you almost sort of convince yourself that it was never going to happen because, you know, she, she's been so constant in all our lives for so long. Um, and I was sat in the chamber when the note was passed to the Prime Minister. And I think even then you know you sort of had to admit to yourself that could be it then obviously we heard that she was under medical supervision and I think really then you're almost sort of delaying the inevitable in your own mind but I have to say it still felt like a ton of bricks when about half six they announced it officially on the BBC I mean I was genuinely you know I had this wave of I think what the uh, what Boris Johnson called um, um, unaccessed emotion I mean it just sort of appeared um, luckily I was stood next to a, a, a colleague who's a particularly good hugger because uh, I, I needed that I needed that at the time yeah, I I think that uh, I think Britain in general needed a a hug uh, last week, and and has needed one all week. It felt like I mean people have been doing a lot of talking and and so forth. What's it been like within government these this past week? Well, it's a bit of a strange one. I mean, obviously Liz Truss is is pretty much brand new in post. She had about forty eight hours of of normal operation, and then all this all this happened and you know she's got quite an ambitious plan to to try and address some of the cost of living challenges we've got uh, that's had to be put temporarily on hold i mean we're we're planning on going back to work next week um, i'm certain it'll be addressed then but she was halfway through appointing a government and you know she's still got swathes of junior ministerial ranks that she hasn't been able to appoint i mean i really don't envy her i mean this is a heck of a first week on the job yeah and with more to come too right i mean there's yeah. there's dignitaries from around the world coming in over the weekend uh first though i understand that like so many you've had a chance to pay your respects to the queen as she lies in state uh tell me about that i've heard so many a lot of people describe it in very poignant ways it's it's been incredibly I mean, I think, yeah, it was very poignant. It was actually, it felt slightly surreal. It almost sort of made it real for me. I think up to now it's been, you know, sort of 
things you see on the television, you know, series of processions. Uh, you know, Charles has been in to, to address, sorry, the king has been in to address Parliament. But I think this actually for me today, when, when I actually saw, um, you know, the coffin, the Queen lying in state, that that sort of crystallised it for me. It was it was very very poignant. It felt like saying goodbye as I was walking out of uh, Westminster Hall. Um, what really surprised me actually was was just you know the the variety of people who were queuing as well. This wasn't you know sort of um, you know, sort of fusty old monarchists you know sort of people who collect you know commemorative plates and and do their knitting. I mean there were young people you know in floods of tears. And and I suppose for a lot of us you know she has been a constant and and that's gone now. Yeah, I mean, you're you're from you know from the eighties. You were born in the eighties, right? Uh, I mean, this you're from a generation that maybe one thinks about now as not having close ties to the monarchy, but something that I've noticed here is that you're right. It's been an absolute. Of course, there are many older people who talk about their love of the Queen and talk about having you know watched her grow up and grow old essentially, but there is an incredible number of younger people and and diverse groups that are here paying their respects, and I wonder what, why what you think that's about. Well, I think the Queen's almost acted as sort of like a superglue for quite a diverse nation. And, you know, uh, Britain, unlike, you know, sort of Canada, actually became diverse very quickly overnight. I mean, Canada started off as a group of, of well, different groups of people uh, brought together. So, you know, that underpins part of the Canadian identity, whereas it never really had for Britain. I mean, uh, you know, it's sort of really since the 1940s that we've started to become more multi-ethnic, more multicultural. And and I think the Queen was a good rallying point for all of us because it was something that we all, you know, sort of looked to the monarchy as as a, an identity. Uh, you know, it's what part of what makes us British. And I think what that's really what you're seeing in outpouring of now. People are are leaning into their their British identity, and the Queen was an extremely poignant and powerful uh, symbol of that. Given and you know, looking at this from abroad, uh, some of the divisions that exist now within British society, what do you think the impact of losing the Queen will be? Um, I think it's going to it's going to spark some debates about who we are as a society, what our, our values are. Obviously, Charles will um, you know sort of choose how he wants to be monarchy. He's talked about uh, in the past having a slim down monarchy. Um, obviously, he's you know at the forefront of some of these discussions about things like climate change. Um, whether or not he chooses to make that, you know, part of how he he acts as monarch, uh, we don't know yet. So I think it will give us a chance to reflect on how we relate to the monarchy, what our values are collectively as a, as a country. Um, but I actually think it's it's shown the country at its best. I mean, everybody's rallied round. I mean, you've got, I mean, I, I'm from the north of England, and we all talk to strangers anyway. But I mean, in London, normally it's you know try to avoid contact and don't look anybody, you know, d don't look at anybody, don't talk to anybody, and all of a sudden people are walking over to you in the street and sort of you know just talking about what's going on. Um, I think it's been a good thing for us in a sense that it's it's allowed us to relate to each other again. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not a good thing in, in terms of, you know, we've lost somebody that I think collectively as a nation, we all deeply admired, even if, you know, you weren't a, a monarchist yourself. You know, there are Republicans who have been, I know, who are very sad about her passing. But I think it's given us a chance to relate to each other. It's, it's given us something to rally us. Yeah, I've noticed a lot. Of, I've noticed it, it has been particularly in the queue. I was in the queue today uh, just talking to people, and it's remarkable uh, how friendly everyone has been or just how warm. I think people just want to talk about it. It's it's a bit like being – someone compared it to being at a wake for, for a much-loved elder member of the family. Everyone just wants to share their memories and their stories. Well, that, that's exactly what it is. I mean, in a sense, she was, you know, the nation's grandma, and and that's what it feels like. And certainly to me, it's, you know, I, sadly, I've lost all my grandparents now, but it it resonates in the same way. 
And I do think people want to talk about that. It, and as I said, it's a sense of commonality. You know, we all had our own relationship with the monarchy, whether it was just as an institution or, you know, you've met the Queen or, you know, you've worked for one of the many charities. It, it gives people a chance to relate to each other. And I think that's that's sort of what you're seeing. If we look ahead a bit to King Charles, I mean, uh, I've met him, uh, as reporters are wont to do. He is a man of opinions. Uh, how how might that change the relationship between the new king and government? Clearly, that is something that we haven't had to look at for 70 years, much. So I, I think in office, uh, you know, as, as the king rather than as Prince Charles, I think he will probably conduct himself with the same comportment his mum did. I mean, realistically, you know, there are a lot of constraints that go with being king. We've already seen in his first few days that he's, you know, he's picked up that mantle and run with it. I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He's mourning the loss of his much-loved mother, but he's putting the nation first. And, and that's really, really admirable. And I think his sense of duty will override any personal concerns. That said, I'm sure he will find outlets for the things he cares about. He's started charities and foundations. Obviously, uh, he's now appointed Prince William as the new um, Duke uh, Prince of Wales. Sorry, I'm still I'm, I'm still one title behind on everybody at the moment. It's, it's Every, still everybody is everybody is yeah. one title behind these days for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as the new Prince of Wales, he'll then have a certain amount of agency to to promote those causes. So. I don't think that he's going to be less active. I think you may see less of it up front, but I think the things he care about, cares about will still be front and centre. Do you get the sense that there are any concerns out there, given the affordability crisis that I know Britain is undergoing right now? Something, you know, we, we obviously are seeing it in Canada as well. Do you think there's any any uh, anyone who's upset about how much this all may cost, or is it just all about honouring the Queen? Um, I think people who want to be upset about it will be upset about it. But I mean, you can pretty much go through the Twitter timeline and find out all the other things that they're they're upset about. I mean, in real terms, um, you could run the NHS for about 23 minutes on what's being spent. This is, you know, it's not a massive, massive amount of money to respect one of our nation's institutions. And I do think that actually for, you know, the, the average person, th- this is actually something that they would value. Um, you know, we, we should be respecting the institutions of our, our country. We should be respecting a woman who gave 70 years of her life to, to this nation. Yeah, I would imagine it would be a similar response to those who are who are upset about how much will be closed on Monday. Well, I mean, you know, fundamentally, if you desperately, desperately need to go shopping, go and do it now. Um, you know, that there are there are some things that are just bigger than narrow self-interest, I think. Tell me a bit about the affordability crisis, because from afar, we're seeing clearly struggles. It looks like it's going to be a tough winter here. Uh, There's been a change of government. We've lost the Queen. There's a lot going on. Uh, What do you feel like this winter is going to be like? Is it going to be a tough one? Um, I think it's going to be tougher than than previous ones. I think we have to be realistic about that. You know, however much intervention there is by the government, and I'm I'm pleased to see the Prime Minister stepped up on that, you know, it's one of the first things she announced. Um, But realistically, things are still going to be tight for people. We we know that. I mean, our job of work now is to try and mitigate some of those immediate term pains, but then look at what the longer term solutions are. And that is going to be making ourselves more energy independent. It is going to be more, um, you know, sort of more realistic about what we can manage in the short term. Um, you know, we, we've been very ambitious with things like our uh, our uh, net zero target. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've gone gangbusters on that. But realistically, some of the green levies we put in place are causing some of that short term pain now. And so by taking those off temporarily, it, it's a way of helping people. 
realistically you can't tell people everything is going to be you know fantastic and hunky-dory and you know there's an easy switch to flip this is the result of years and years of policy hitting a confluence of events that have simply made it impossible to avoid the pain uh, you know, realistically, nobody predicted a pandemic followed by a war, which would then lead to an energy sp uh, price spike. And then, you know, you sort of chuck in all the political shenanigans that have gone on in between. It, it's not made it very easy for people, but we are doing everything we can. I mean, I'm absolutely confident that the right things are being done. Speaking of, uh, of, of political upheavals, I mean, you came, you were elected in 2019. Um, this has been quite the few years we've been already we've seen <laughs> seen Boris Johnson re resign Liz Truss arrive um you get the sense that politics has a bit of a bad name in this country right now is that right um I mean realistically there aren't very many places in the world where politicians are hugely popular I mean you know fundamentally we're a, a sort of a tableau of, of stereotypes and and you know, sort of pre uh, sort of Perception, uh, perceptions, I should say, um, that people put together. And, you know, some of that's fed by the media, some of that's fed by the fact that lots of people never come into contact with a politician in their daily life. Um, people are, I think, healthily sceptical. Um, I, I am always healthily sceptical of government as well. It's the reason I'm a conservative. I, I think, you know, people tend to make better decisions for themselves than the government does. But there are certain things that the government has to do. Uh, and, and we're going to work extremely hard to get those things done. Brexit is talked about a lot. Uh, a lot of expats who live here, we talk about it at times. I know that you supported Brexit. You continue to support Brexit. Where do you think it's gone right? And where do you think it's gone wrong so far? Well, we got a perfect example of it during the uh, pandemic with our vaccine response. We simply wouldn't have been able to do that had we have been in the European Union. I mean, their response was pretty laconic. And then they spent a lot of time talking down the um, Oxford AstraZeneca virus because they didn't produce it despite oh, trying the vaccine, to then speak yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good example. Also, some of the things the Prime Minister is now able to look at doing to deal with the, uh, the cost of living crisis. These are things we wouldn't automatically be able to do in the European Union. This would require... 28 countries as it was to come together and agree a course of action and sometimes actually you need the 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 agility that being an independent sovereign nation gives you mm -hmm. um so i think you're probably going to see quite a bit more of the the upsides coming in in crisis situations it's about having the keys to the car really rather than trying to get a committee together to decide whether or not you want to get into the car right i, I think the argument is that you're driving a much smaller and less impressive looking car i think that's what people are that's that's the critique right no, we've gone from a gas guzzler, uh, gas guzzler to a nice classic key type jack. <laughs> Ollie, that's a, that's a good analogy. Um, but there's still there are still pains. I mean, I, clearly the, the the economy is in trouble. Is you don't think anything this, any of this has to do with Brexit? It's not to blame at all. No. No, absolutely not, because if that was the case, then Germany would be going gangbusters. You know, France would be rolling in cash. They're not. This is a world crisis, and it's brought on by two things that have happened in rapid succession. We had a pandemic that was obviously going to cause an economic shock. It changed the the nature of economic activity for nearly two years, and, and it's had knock-on effects. People are behaving differently with their money. Straight off the back of that, you then got the spike in energy prices, which is largely exacerbated by the situation in Ukraine. Realistically, you know, if... Vladimir Putin turns off the, the gas taps, then it makes the commodity more expensive the world over. And that's where we're feeling the pain. I mean, crikey Moses, I mean, if you're in Germany, they really are going to start feeling the pain shortly because the, there is no Russian gas coming into them now, whereas actually the vast majority of our gas comes from Qatar. That's right. And Denmark, right? And and, and you have yeah. some of your own. Um, 
a last thought in the midst of all this these this political upheaval you know the, this this the war in ukraine the affordability crisis the loss of the queen feels it feels significant it feels like something has ended and and it's it's going to make everything just a little bit more difficult um something definitely has ended i mean this is the end of an era it's the end of the the, the new elizabethan era um I don't know if it's going to make things difficult. I think it will be difficult to get used to it because the Queen's been so ubiquitous for so long. I mean, you know, the world over, if you say the Queen, people think of Elizabeth II. Um, so I think it's going to be hard to adjust to it, but I don't necessarily think that's going to be a negative. Um, I think King Charles will do an admirable job. I think he genuinely does care about his duties and about the institution. He will try to reshape that in his own image. That's perfectly reasonable and acceptable. Um, and I think, you know, we've all got to give him our support in that. Chris Clarkson, uh, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure.